This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Josh Newberg. I've got Brennan Sinone and Chris Nee with me. We did our weekly Newsy podcast on Monday, so today we're going to do a little something different. We are here to grade the transfer portal. We've been Woo! watching the results of FSU's portal hunt throughout the offseason, and now that we have a little break in the action, I think it's a good time to grade FSU's haul. Um, now, let's just preface this by saying we don't expect this to be the final class. The FSU has 10 transfers but we think there'll be more. Uh, when we get to the end, we'll talk about numbers and needs and how many more FSU plans on taking. So let's get into it now, though, because Florida State has taken 10 transfers from the portal. So we're going to rank those from 10 to 1. We're going to go in reverse order, 10 being a player that makes a minimal impact and one being the player that you think brings the most value to the roster. Chris, are you ready? Sure. Brendan, are you ready? I was bored for this. Let's go. Um, all right. So we're going to go in reverse order. We're not starting with any particular player. So who wants to go first? Your number 10 player from the transfer portal. Brendan, I see your hand raised. Good boy. You're up first. I'm ready to go. This is this is my dream scenario right here. Is we're, we're doing an inconsequential list before something's complete, uh, which people will then argue with us over. Nonstop. And, and I want people after this to rank our list. So I want a list of our list too at the end of this. Uh, please, please. Yeah. So number 10 for me is going to be Bless Harris, the offensive tackle transfer from Lamar. Uh, the pros of him is that he's an athletic, prototypical size tackle who's at a major position of need, tackle, correct? So like that's he has the potential to be your swing tackle, maybe someone who pushes for a starting spot. And if he pushes for a starting spot, I'm loud wrong on this. My issue is he was still very raw and unrefined the last time we saw him play at Lamar. I think he's someone who probably needs a year of seasoning. He's a redshirt junior, but I think he needs a year of, of working under Alex Hackers before you can confidently count on him. I, I I would be hesitant to say he's someone who's going to be able to help you out a ton in 2022, unless he makes a major jump this spring that we're not anticipating right now. I don't think he's an impact player uh, for this upcoming season. Chris, your take on number 10. Uh, he's my number nine, so we're in fairly similar thought patterns here. I think Bless Harris is a swing lineman who helps him with depth. I've compared him to essentially being what the Brady Scott role was for FSU last year. I, I sort of think that's what he is. That's not bad. That that has value. I just think among this group, he's down there. Right. I, I think he has a bit of a ways to go to making the jump to this level. Okay, so that was your number nine, but who's your number 10? I put Deuce Span. Um, which is funny because Deuce Span could just as easily at the end of the day end up near the top of this list in his FSU career if he meets the ceiling. But he's done so little at the receiver position. It's a transition position for him. I just I decided to put him down there just because there's so little proof in the pudding of what he's done in his college career. He's a guy who's making a transition from quarterback to wide receiver. 
He's also, in my opinion, the fourth of four wide receivers in this group. So I didn't want to have them all clumped together because I don't have any of them at the very top. So I have a good bit of them in the middle and then want to have one near the tail. That's some, interesting. So some you controversy is going to be coming later on. <laughs> yeah, there, there's all, always some controversy when you two are involved. Um, so I have Bless Harris also at number 10. So before we move on, um, for a lot of the reasons you guys have, I don't think that this season he's going to be a very impactful player, even if there's injury. Seeing Bless, it'll depend on how early in the season we have to put Bless Harris in a meaningful role. I mean, if it's week six or eight, okay, I feel maybe a little bit better. But having not seen him yet in the spring, I mean, and we're going to know more in the spring, don't get me wrong, but this is just going in blind. I too have Bless Harris at number 10. So um, moving on to number nine, uh, we know where Chris stands at nine, but Brendan, where do you stand at number nine? I'm going to go with the highly polarizing transfer take, the most recent transfer take of Trey Benson, the running back from Oregon. He is a year and a half removed from a pretty big knee injury. Now, Mike Norvell did come out and say in his statement that FSU had uh, announcing Trey Benson's arrival and official admittance into FSU that the knee is fine. They've done the research on that. I think that was certainly done intentionally. That Mike put that out in the release. Uh, he saw all the bionic need tweets that people were putting out there but more so to say hey we know what we're doing with this guy and we project him as someone who's big athletic catches the ball out of the backfield uh, they're trying to see if they can maybe have snuck one past the goalie here if they found a little bit of value under the radar someone they liked a lot at memphis and someone who got hurt got buried on the depth chart at oregon he'll be a year and a half removed from a pretty big injury but i think they like Treshawn ward lawrence toe philly maybe benson shows up this spring and and really wows everyone and, and makes a big jump Right now, I think this is more of a long-term. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. I think it's someone that you're you're storing and stashing away for a year and a half or so down the road, maybe not immediately at the start of the 2022 campaign. I, too, have Trey Benson at nine um, for a lot of the same reasons. Chris, who do you – well, we, we know you have Bless Harris at nine. Right. Um, let's go on to number eight. Reveal your eight. I have Greedy Vance there. Um, you know, he's a nickel. I think he's a reserve nickel for FSU probably. His film last year is a very big mixed bag against FSU. He's actually pretty effective and pretty good. Best game of his career. You put on a Duke film and it scares the hell out of you. So it's one of those. Like you can get the best out of him. It's probably going to be a little bit higher. But if the Duke version of him is more regular, then it's not a very good take just to be brutally honest about it. I I, I went on a, a spree of sending Duke Greedy Vance versus Duke clips in the group chat the other day just to ruin Chris's mood. Um, I, I don't know what happened that game. He was targeted 15 times, which is extraordinary. He allowed 10 catches for 97 yards. And some of the – he was put in the spin cycle a couple times. Like, I'm not sure if he, he got in a hurt. fight with his girlfriend before. What if he was, like, upset about something? There was something that did not add up. Uh, but when you look at his, like, PFF grades – it is all over the place. Like usually yeah. if you just look at it color coded, it's green, dark green is really good. Like blue is elite, but so dark green's really good. Light green's okay. Like Who did he have green. his elite game against? Florida State. Would, Florida State. If you recall that, that's the game where Louisville just sent three against McKenzie Milton in a banged up offensive line and, and didn't have to really do anything and just had success. So, but this is a cornucopia of colors. It is green. It is orange. It is yellow. It is red. It is dark red. It is bronze it's all over the place so greedy vance inconsistent right now like chris said i had a mate as well for the exact same reason chris mentioned 
Nice. So just to add before Josh goes, the yeah. whole back half of my list, like six to ten, I don't know that I feel like any of those guys are starter material. And that's sort of, for me, there was a top five that was clear and then a bottom five that was clear to me. And Vance, yeah. to me, is a backup nickel. I thought there was a a tier system as well, Chris. Yeah, yeah, I think there's – Well, and we'll talk about that after, but I agree with that. I think the bottom four for me really – I think production is going to fall off for the bottom four here. So, for me, I go at number – we're at eight Eight. right now. At eight, I have Johnny Wilson. Um, The more I think about Johnny Wilson, the more I kind of want to see him be a tight end in this offense. Oh, you want another tight end? I want another tight end. <laughs> Josh's favorite. <laughs> because I look at, at recruiting and I look at what they want. And it's 6'4, 6'5, 6'6. They're recruiting 6'6, six, six, you know, tight ends across the board. And then I look at what they have committed, and they have a, a, a guy that's 6'1 and a half committed to them at tight end. And I look at the rest of the tight end room and I just think that maybe taking a project like a Johnny Wilson, morphing him into a playmaking tight end, it could work. It could work. Him being a heavy-footed outside wide receiver, it could work. I'm just not – I don't know. I just – I see more value in creating a monster tight end out of him. So I went with Wilson at six. Uh, I think he's a red zone threat. I think that's the biggest reason they brought him in. You don't have to tell me where you got Wilson. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just adding to your point here, though. I, the thing with Wilson to me is, I think they use him as a receiver, but I think it's a uh, limited view receiver in the sense of a guy who is different size to so just diversify that position further and be a red zone threat. My problem with Johnny Wilson is when I talked to Greg Biggins and others out on the West Coast familiar with him, it was kind of all over the place. He was very, very highly thought of earlier in his high school career. Dealt with drops apparently later in his high school career. Sometimes turned it on and off. Arizona State numbers were, you know, so-so. Some of the films really good, especially like, for example, the blocking, which I think is an asset that he does. So what's your it. take on him as a tight end? Uh, sure. I mean, if you want to label him that, I mean, he's... A, no, 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 me, no, no, no. I mean, like, what's your take on on my feelings of making a concerted effort to turn him into a tight end? Do you think... I don't no? know if he turns into the inline blocking true tight end spot. I think he's more a flex type of player is how I feel than a, uh, you know, putting a TE or a WR before him. He's more flexish. Yeah, but if he's a good but blocker, does he he's bring not a great pass catcher. tight end room? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair view of it, especially because blocking seems to be a consistent strength for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, Wilson interests me, and just so we can speed this along a bit, for me, Benson came in at seven. Um, I trust Mike Norvell with running backs, uh, with the exception of DJ Williams last year being in that moment not valuable. And that may um, have been uh, – He um, came in out of shape. He came in out of shape, and that was a guy that I think one coach specifically vouched for and had experience with. It was Kenny Dillingham at, at Auburn. And, yeah, the kid came in out of shape and was hurt in the spring. And and so, yeah, it wasn't totally a uh, Mike Norvell 100% yeah, I'm, take. I'm not throwing bust on DJ Williams at this stage of his career, but mm-hmm. last year was not a value year for him. Mm-hmm. He needs to get in better shape and be more of a contributor. He needs to be more of a battering ram. That's what he came in here to be. Benson, though, for me, was seven. The knee injury, you know, we spoke at length when FSU was taking the commitment. That, that's obviously a concern. They clearly feel comfortable with it. 
I know they did a great deal of due diligence on that, speaking to Oregon uh, medical staff, having him checked out when he came here, so on and so forth. So Benson's a guy who could turn into kind of a hidden value type, but I'll believe it when I see it. So that's my back five. I'll let you guys do your seven and six catch up. Where you sit at seven. Uh, I'm with Johnny Wilson at seven. So not too, I think we're all kind of in the same range there uh, for the reasons you guys said to your point, Josh, about moving him at tight end real quick. I don't think we'll see a TE you know, in front of his name at any point. I think he's brought mm-hmm. here to be a wide receiver, but if you look at the way he was used at, at Arizona state, and then you look at the way that FSU uses someone like Cam McDonald, who's kind of a flex tight end. So Cam McDonald's snap distribution real quick in line tight end 247 snaps. That's where he played the majority of the time. Next up, slot at 181. So not a huge drop-off. So they would kind of flex him out to play in the slot a little bit. He was actually out wide as the only wide receiver uh, at 30 snaps. And he was also in the backfield as like an H-back type at 81 snaps. So, uh, you know, this offense has... A but he plays play. the tight end role for Florida State. And that's what I'm talking about. And I would love to see Johnny Wilson play that exact role for Florida State. I think it'll be a mishmash of like, he'll be out wide sometimes. I think sometimes he will be, I don't know if it'll be a straight up inline mm-hmm. blocker, like what you're calling for. He was in line only twice at Arizona state. He was in slot 87 snaps. He was out wide 113 yeah. snaps. So and, yeah, I, and, and, and these are out. my opinion. Maybe, you know, he comes out and he's a little faster than I envision and he catches the ball a little bit better than I envision in the spring. And my opinion changes. This is just kind of sight unseen based off what I'm hearing and, and those mm-hmm. things. But yeah, um, I think he would be great in that role is the, is the, in what FSU does with their tight end, you know, the Cam McDonald role. Mm-hmm. I think you use him pretty similarly, just again, a little less in line, but yeah, I, I think you'll see him moved around the field and they do view him as someone who has the potential to be like a real big mismatch machine, which is what you hear yeah. when you talk about tight ends. We just see if he can harness that consistency that Chris alluded to earlier that that was lacking at times. Right. So yeah, he's, he's at seven for me. Who do you have All at right. seven? I have Greedy Vance at seven, okay. um, slightly higher than you guys do, because I think he's a guy that is going to play, could spell as a starter at times as well. Um, therefore, I have guys like Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, and Bless Harris below Greedy Vance for that reason. Uh, let's go to six. Uh, I I'm, I think he's making his first appearance on the list. Wide receiver from Oregon, Micah Pittman. Mm. I like I like Micah. I have, you'll find out soon. I have most of my wide receivers kind of clustered together. I kind of think you can make the case for any of them to kind of be breakout, you know, potential number one types for Florida State, which is what you're doing is you're throwing numbers at a major problem. I like Micah because he he was fairly productive, not elite in any year. I totaled 38 receptions for 547 yards, two touchdowns in three seasons. Uh, But really the extra value here and why I have him over Johnny Wilson right now is the versatility. Uh, He can line up in the backfield. You know he can line up in the slot for sure. He can line up out wide. I know we talked about Johnny Wilson doing some different things, but I think Pittman's a little bit more clear of what that could be. And returns punts. Uh, 15 punt returns for 151 yards. That, to me, is immense value. Sinone down there with a bucket full of hope on Deuce Fan. Mm, I'm rolling my – yeah. I am rolling the dice on the guy with the most tools being – uh, un- unleashed and un- unchained in terms of his potential and upside as as I'm taking a gamble there Chris yeah mm. when he's when, I, when he comes up at number one on my list we'll just <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it then all right so we're at six or we're at five we're at six we're right at, now. we're at six who's your Chris six? who's your six my six was Johnny Wilson 
Okay, so your six is Johnny Wilson, and my six is Deuce Span. I have Deuce two spots ahead of Johnny Wilson. He's my second wide receiver so far. Obviously, like what you guys said, bit of a project, but I love his upside. Just depends on how quickly he can catch on. I do think he catches on at some point. We'll just see how quickly that is. So he comes in at my six. Now we turn it over to the uh, top half of the list at number five. Who do you have at five, Chris? Micah Pittman. So one spot different than Sonone, I believe, with that one. Uh, I also, too, I like his value as both a receiver and a return man, an area where FSU has to get drastically better next year. You know, it would be nice if we just have a guy who consistently catches it. Right. Um, I have. I I also. Do you find that funny? Because I find that refreshing. I find the fact that we're having to talk about that somewhat comical in a sad, tragic Shakespearean sort of way. Yeah, I stopped Were you laughing in about it. Florida? I was. Yeah, I. your point is justified and valid. It's just sad that we're having to discuss that. I was in Gainesville, Florida. It ruined my day when Pokey Wilson started backing up like that. It was crazy. It was bizarre. Hey, it, it's year three. This is the point where we start catching punts. First, um, you, first you catch a little, then you catch a lot, then you catch so big. With Pittman, I think he's a guy who, talking to people at Oregon familiar with him, they said in practice he'd be an All-American at times. They absolutely loved him. There's obviously the NFL bloodlines. He knows how to work because of the ties to his father and his brother in that regard. You know, I, I, the only receiver I obviously have ahead of him is Winston Wright. Um, but I, I think Pittman can be really good for FSU. We spoke about it's a matter of throwing numbers at a need, at a position where they did not land a single high school prospect and where they were dreadfully bad on the field last year. I think Pittman, if I was betting on those four guys, would be the second one I would bet on. So that's why he fits in here. My top three was pretty solid, and then receivers had to be plugged in after that. I, too, had Pittman in that spot. Um, Brings a little bit more experience, a little bit more, I don't know, production than than Deuce Span and Johnny Wilson. Um, Hopefully – Micah Pittman can be a, a big value. There's there's a lot of question marks around Micah Pittman, um, but there is a lot of question marks around all these transfer wide receivers. But I do think that, uh, like Chris said, the value of him being able to return punts puts him up a, a, a slot higher than Deuce Span for me. And so I'm at five. I have I have Deuce Span. We're kind of all in the same range. Other, other than Chris is lower on, on Span, but I think we're all kind of in the similar range with Pittman and Wilson. As Chris is a little lower on span than Josh and I are, but understand like he comes in with five catches mm-hmm. in his career. So yeah, there's some volatility there, but the upside of like when, when that speed and that frame get going. And I think just even having him as like not a decoy necessarily, but someone who can legitimately stretch the field, uh, really something that Mike Norvell has lacked the last couple of years. And that was big for him at Memphis. He always had a speedy wide receiver who can at least take the top off of defense. I think that's where Deuce Span provides like a minimal uh, amount of value. The, the upside though is, Again, 6'4", 210, and blazing speed. Like, there's Tomori and Terry type of, of production potentially out there. That's why I have him at five is I'm banking on potential. Uh, but I had, like, for tiers, I mean, this is where it jumps for me. I had those – I had Vance, Benson, and Harris, so 8 through 10 for me, all, like, in the bottom tier. And then these wide receivers I had in, in my fourth tier, they're all kind of clustered together a little bit. And I could see any one of those three kind of stepping up as the number one or number two receiver this year. I would have span higher if I believed in FSU's ability to develop wide receivers. Right. That, but, that's but reasonable, that Chris. Yeah. yeah, that's reasonable. I was looking for doing this re- research for this uh, piece here. I was 
looking up just some different metrics and whatnot. And I was like, man, so there were some numbers that had Treshawn Harrison blast from the past as hmm. being pretty productive in certain scenarios. Not great, but like fairly productive at Oregon State, like against man coverage. It's like, yeah, it's a hell of a thing that he went out there and he's a top 50 player at his position, which would have played here. Uh, and he just wasn't really developed and didn't get a whole lot better in his time. And, and obviously coaching changes, staff changes. DJ Matthews got hurt at Indiana, but he was on pace for a really nice season as well. So yeah, it's tough to see guys go uh, at a position and he'd go elsewhere and, and produce at a decent level. All right, let's move on to number four. I will go f- with four. I have Tatum Bethune, linebacker UCF at number four. Um, I see him as a frontline player, maybe not necessarily a starter starter, but somebody that's going to get plenty of snaps every game and is going to be a major contributor for FSU. So I have him at number four. I'm with you, Josh. I have him at number four as well. Same reasons you said. I, I think he starts, but even if he doesn't, I think he's going to play a starting caliber of snaps and yes. he's an above average player minimal like average to above average player at a major position of need that's a win that puts him in the top half of this list for sure someone who, who should make a pretty sizable impact i have winston right at four um i similar to Pittman, productive but better consistent production than Pittman. therefore ahead of him also can help on special teams uh you know he's coming in it's a money year for him and his view the way he's talked about it this being his only year Mm-hmm. It's abundantly clear he wants to come in and be the guy. I think if I was betting on any wide receiver to immensely help FSU this year, it would start with Winston Wright. I clumped my receivers together, four, five, six is Wright, Pittman, Wilson. So that kind of speaks to my line of thinking in that order. I think it's what where they can help him. Um, and then I'll go with number three for me was Bethune. So I'm not far off from you guys. Uh, I think Bethune has starter capability for them. He's a productive linebacker who does a great job attacking the ball and finishing plays. And that's all stuff they need. And we've banged on the linebacker position consistently for the last couple of years. And he's a guy who I think is plug and play, especially because of his familiarity with co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach Randy Shannon, personal relationship, very familiar with one another. The expectations are kind of known and set before Tatum walked through the door. So I think that helps him as long as he's able to take to it. I think those 15 spring practices will help him immensely in that regard i think he's a guy that can definitely be be, be playing beside maybe a kaylin deloach opening game brendan uh that i that was my four right wait are we at four yeah you're three on three now? you oh, have three. four i did four and then moved on to three yeah we're chris on to three is, chris is always jumping ahead i love it so no, first, the, it's the like the ball. snake yeah it's like the snake you know so number three i have winston right uh, so this was a tier f- jump for me again. So I had the in the fifth tier, I had the bottom three, and then I had the fourth tier, the three wide receivers. Then in the third tier, I had Tatum Bethune by himself. And we're going up to uh, the second tier, second highest tier. And to me, there was a couple guys in this list, and that's Winston Wright. Could have been a little higher for me even. I love his production, 129 receptions for 1,338 yards and seven touchdowns in three seasons. Uh, also 1,200 kickoff return yards. Uh on 50 yeah on 50 kickoff returns is that right is that math add up 1200 is that what fsu had wow that's a lot of kickoff return yards that's pretty awesome two touchdowns so he could return kicks is what i'm trying to say uh this past season jerry doji or dodge or whatever had a passer rating of 157.31 when targeting him that'll play that means he's productive it means he's getting open if you watch doji play like jordan travis throws a better ball so like i i think there's potential here for Winston Wright you're really... getting a little Jordan Travis mm-hmm. love in here. Mm-hmm. Just throw it in. Mm-hmm. Here's a number for you guys. One, one last number and why I like Winston Wright. His game speaks for itself. He's really twitchy, uh, misses tackles. 
do you remember last year coaches uh, on the back end like they wouldn't throw their wide receivers under the bus but they were lamenting like man we cannot get open against fsu has been dog you know what for the last two years and before that but i'm talking in the norbell year in one-on-ones yeah man coverage they cannot we cannot get open in one-on-ones against man coverage so winston wright averaged 2.69 yards per route run against man coverage according to pff that was 54th nationally well above average for wide receivers if you want to find an fsu player who was on that list for a minimum threshold, you'd have like 20% of your team's receptions. Load you have more. to keep load more, load more, load more. You get to the fifth of five pages that PFF has for, for this cutoff. Andrew Parchment is at 212th nationally at 0.99 yards per route run against man coverage. So instantly right there, you have someone who can be above average, adequate against man coverage. That should open up some things for you, for you guys. That's why I have him at three. I think he can add a, a baseline of competency at wide receiver and, and do some things in the slot and maybe move to other spots as well. Who's your three, Josh? This is the only one that we all agree on, I think. And it could be the only – now there's two more picks left, but it could be the only one that we are a consensus because I have Winston Wright at three. Uh, my thought at putting Winston Wright at three was – just the fact that he is at such a great position of need for Florida State, kind of like what Brendan piggybacking off of what he, the story he just told, um, knowing how badly they need him, uh, I think Winston Wright has the best probability of filling that role for Florida State because of his proven production so far. So he comes in at number three for me. We go to the final two. Chris, who do you have at number two? Caden Lyles, FSU's starting center. You have it, folks. Brendan, who do you have? Caden Lyles, FSU's starting center. I have Jared Verse. What? 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 I have Jared Verse at number two, and I have Caden Lyles at one. All right. My reasoning Explain yourself. That, Explain yourself, young man. My reasoning for that is that Caden Lyles is a proven commodity at center. He's done it at, a, at the highest level. He's done it at Wisconsin. Um, due to an injury, he didn't play a whole lot last year, but he's back and he's healthy. I love the way he handled his recruitment. <laughs> um, Alex Atkins said he didn't want any of the BS, quote unquote. He didn't want any of the BS. I love it too. I love even after he committed, I asked him if he would like to do an interview and he politely declined. And I was like, he's going to be good. <laughs> Did you watch his interview with us the other day, Josh? And, and no, I didn't. The best part of it is like he was very just straightforward exactly what you would expect he still didn't want none of the bs the loudest noise he made during the entire press conference is at one point he just cracked his neck he just went and you and it picked up on the mic and that was Love the it. loudest the loudest thing he did so yeah, that's what let's talk so the reason i have jared verse at number two is because he comes in and i and i get it trust me i get it he was very hyped up because he was in a position in need he dragged it not in a bad way but he dragged his recruitment out allowing the fsu fans to obsess over him and he fills in for Jermaine Johnson. So people immediately just equate that he's going to be the next Jermaine Johnson. How can you have Caden Lyles higher than Jermaine Johnson? Jared versus Jermaine. Right. But he's coming from Albany. Not a sure thing. There's just, there's just a few question marks. There's a lot to live up to. Whereas I think Caden Lyles comes in. And even if you don't, even if you don't understand his value as a center, go back and watch some film from last year on some of the plays that Florida State tried to get off. And the moment the ball snapped, the play's doomed to hell because 
the center was getting blown out of the water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If this list was solely for 2022, mm-hmm. I'd probably put Lyles ahead of Verse because okay. I agree with your take on that. I go with Verse over Lyles, obviously, versus my one because of the fact that there is potential multi-year value there. True. Mm-hmm. That's Potential. That- that's what it comes to is, I mean, I listen, if, if Jared Verse goes pro after this year, then that means he definitely was number one on, on the list if he goes and has a monster season. So, if, but I think you get two years of quality starting experience from Verse. Uh, and my tier system was Lyles and Wright. I had kind of bundled together and then I had Verse in the tier of his own. So I'm, I mean, I'm, we're arguing over one versus two. It's not a huge, huge difference in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, I think Lyles is solid. There is less unknown to him, Josh. I am with you there. But with Jared Verse, the reason why he's number one for me, the reason why he's 11th in the 24-7 sports transfer rankings nationally mm-hmm. uh, is that we're going to dust off an oldie but a goodie here. Chris, he checks off all the all boxes. All the boxes. All of them. Every single one. Production. That, that big man can move. Yes. So let's go. Production, 75 tackles, 21.5 tackles for loss, 14.5 sacks, 15 quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, in just 15 college games. Check that box. Size 6'4, 250. Check. Can he transition to the power five level? Josh says, okay, that that's may take some time to do so consistently. Turn on the Syracuse film this past season. That was one of his best games. I note Syracuse, that is a power five also team. Convinced FSU to pursue him. Yep. So he he can ha- it's not like Marcus Kushney, who you had to project can his athleticism translate over from the FCS level to power five. We'll see. This one, you know, you have definitive film of saying, okay, it's there. There's something to work on. Check. And then finally, personality, maturity. They love the way he handles himself. You could tell when you talk to Jared Verse, he's a professional already. He's handling himself well. He put on 30 pounds in one offseason of muscle while in quarantine. While in quarantine, his dad went out and bought a bunch of protein powder. I put on 30 pounds too. Not the same. Not the same. Uh, Check. I love Jared Verse. I love the take for FSU. That was huge. At a position of need. Uh, again, the difference between one and two, I think Lyles is going to help out a lot and going to be solid. I just think Jared Verse has the potential, if not this season, in two years, to be someone who's drafted in the first couple of rounds of the NFL draft and, and make that sort of profound impact for your defense. So I saw Caden Lyles when he visited for Miami game, and I've seen him since he arrived at mm-hmm. FSU. But on Saturday, in the comings and goings of young juniors and sophomores on FSU's campus, Alex Atkins and who ended up being Caden while I was walking to the building and I had a moment of who's a new strength coach. <laughs> That's a good and, problem. And Zach corrected me real quick. I go, shit, right. That is Caden. <laughs> um, he's a big wide man and he's strong and he loves it. And he, he I think Caden Lyles is going to be a great anchor for FSU. I do worry a little bit about situations where he has to pull and stuff like that. We'll see though. He's a bit more removed from the injuries. He had a kind of a collection of injuries. I think it was a couple hips and then a knee. Correct me if I'm incorrect on that, Brendan. No, there, the there's hip, it was the multiple was the things. Issue, though. Yeah, um, he's a little bit more removed from that. We'll see if the movement of him as a person is a little bit better. He's a tough nose, hard kid. I mean, played Big Ten football, Wisconsin, played D line, played O line. There's a lot of reasons to really like Lyle. So I don't, I'm not gonna yell at Josh for putting him one. I think there's a great deal of value there, and I think he's a guy that can help FSU immensely. And maybe take that other line and move it up another tier, move it up another level. It, it's progressed well under Alex Atkins, and I feel like it's certainly going in the right direction. Lyles may help speed that along a little bit further by further uh, strengthening the core of it. And having a center who's had a lot of snaps in his career, understands football, super mature, physically prepared to do it, that, that's that's pretty good array of traits. But uh, I love me some Jared Verse. 
I've been on that bandwagon since a minute after he got after him. Um, other than when he froze me out for about four days and made me real uncomfortable, <laughs> I've enjoyed every moment I've dealt with him. And I think very highly of him as a person. So I think he has a real good chance of being good. And he's a guy that, because of FSU missing on the Kellys and the Marvin Jones Juniors and those sorts, they had to have. He is a guy who they need to be a starter this coming year because if he's not, then you're relying on uh, Dennis Briggs and Derek McClendon or Dennis Briggs and Quayshon Fuller. Mm-hmm. I think they're in a better place if those two, McClendon and Fuller, are your reserves, would have been Verse and Briggs being the big bodies on the outside. And I wholeheartedly expect Briggs to be opposite of whoever the other one is. All right. It's, uh, yeah, the, the final two kind of stand out from the rest of the group, I think. Caden Lyles, Jared Verse, clearly at the top, and then the rest is up for debate. I think Winston so, Wright is closer to that top yes. tier personally, but I, I mean, I, if you want to make the case that that's your top tier Verse and Lyles, I, I'm not going to argue a ton on that. Yeah, I got Winston Wright just outside that those two guys. So that's that's a good rundown of the list. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. Let's talk numbers real quick, Brendan. What do you see available moving forward? We know that they they're not done in the transfer portal. We know that. Um, but numbers wise, what do you think is doable? So going into the spring guys that they have accounted for right now, and that's not necessarily all guys enrolled, but guys who have signed and plan to enroll as well as the ones who are already here in the spring, they're going to currently have everyone stayed today and was there for the beginning of fall camp. They would have 88 scholarship players. You have to be down to 85. Gotcha. We're not worried about them getting three more guys leaving no. after the spring. I, I think you'll probably see some guys who are on pace to graduate in the spring or after the spring, go ahead and, and transfer after graduating. I think you might see some guys who see writing on the on the wall and say, hey, I'm not going to play a ton. I'm yeah. just going to try to make things uncomfortable. There's going to be at least three. Real quick, uh, here's how here's how you say it. I don't – correct me if I'm wrong. Outgoing transfers from now moving forward. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody leaving the program is going to be an impactful player. Guys leaving the program are going to be, like you said, graduated players that are off the two deep or guys that have been here for two, three years and after spring ball, see the writing on the wall. And yeah, unless I don't think there's going to be any outgoing transfers of impactful current players. Unless something crazy happens. Maybe like a Demori real quick while Chris gets the frog out of his voice, (laughs) out of his throat there. I think Demori Tate would be someone like, I don't, no, Maury Tate fits into what I'm saying. Three years and he's not cracking the two. Yeah, but that would be one that like the fan base would like be like, ah, it's a five star. But yeah, you're okay. I believe yeah, there's day no and one... age of the portal though. You always got to kind of have your guard up. Yeah, it might it might catch you. Do off guard. but I just I feel like the purge is gone from Mike Norvell year one and two, and now we're to the point where guys that are going to be leaving are guys going that are are upset about lack of playing time, meaning yeah. like their third or fourth string. And that's General, what Demory Tate would be. Generally, yes, I think that's that's a safe way to look at it. There may yeah. be a surprise there, but yeah, I think that's reasonable. So, okay. um, so numbers wise, and they always work out. So you need three to leave basically to get to eighty five. So as we look at what we think FSU needs in the transfer portal, I'll let you guys kind of lay out some of the positions. But basically, you're then you're subtracting. So you need three to leave, and then if you need four positions, so you need a total of seven to leave to get to add four more. So okay. that's basically where we're at. So if we had four spots. Well, technically, they have up to six spots as it stands right now. If they do not sign Antavius Woody, they have up to six spots. They okay, sign. Let's play with the number. They four sign six. Uh, sixteen high school prospects. Correct. It's 16, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to pull that up, Chris. Uh, let me double check that real quick. Obviously, 10 transfers. We've talked about that. They have 10 transfers, 11 early enrollees, and then they signed four others. So it's 25. I'm sorry. 
uh, 26 is Antavius Woody. If he was to join the fold, that would be number 26, therefore making it six. I'm not convinced they sign Woody next week. I think Josh would agree with that after recent conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, so that puts them actually at seven because they can sign up to 32 because of the departures that they had prior to the start of this semester. Right. But they would have to fit that 32 under the 85 cap, which is what Sinan was talking about. So that checks out. I think they could take up to six. I don't know if they'll find six guys that they, they want. So I, I would say the number is six if needed, but they probably end up signing three or four would be my guess. Let's three or at, four more. Let's set it at four. Point. Yeah, let's set okay, it. At let's four. set it at four. So you need seven guys to leave. That's high but reasonable. Reasonable. And it, yeah, let's set it at four. So four positions remaining. Let's start at quarterback. We think that they're going to mess around there and probably take one. You have to. You can't go into the season with three scholarship quarterbacks. That's just. Then the next position of need becomes impactful offensive tackle. That's two. Mm -hmm. Now what we do with the next two, do do we go, do you think FSU should go best available? Like if there's a running back, take a running, like where do you think after those front seven player on defense, but I think some of that is impacted by what you learned from the spring. They Mm -hmm. have a lot of DNs. They have a lot of D tackles. They don't have a lot of linebackers, but they have a lot of those front guys. But how many of those guys are guys they believe are going to, A, help them this year, and B, help them long-term, and how mm-hmm. does it shake out? There's a bit of a cluster in those groups. I think if you come out of spring and you you know feel like you need a 60-tackle type of thing, um, maybe you go there. If you come out of spring and you feel like you need an DN to give you five really reliable bodies at the top of that chart, then maybe you go there. But I think that's determined by what you see of guys in the spring. If, a, say, Patrick Payton turns the corner in the spring, that probably changes your view of defensive end for this year. Say, Josh Farmer is more consistent in the spring. That changes your view of D-tackle for this year. So I think that impacts. And then linebackers more just a numbers thing. They don't have a ton of numbers there. You know, you're always kind of paranoid and thinking about, oh, injuries, if we get – if Kalen Deloach were to get injured or Tatum Bethune or DJ Lundy or Murray Gaynor, any of those four, you immediately go from four you feel real good about to three, and that's just not a whole lot of numbers at linebacker. And I think after those four, they don't feel near as good about anybody else that's next right. up. And I think Zach has reported before, I think it was in the last podcast, he had mentioned that he thinks that two positions FSU will go after against depending on spring developments would be defensive end and a defensive back, maybe a corner, maybe a safety. I think it just depends on what the portal provides. So that would be mine would be a D end, a defensive back best available. Maybe even like, could be like a hybrid linebacker type, I guess, if it's someone who really blows their socks off and then quarterback and then an impact offensive tackle. Yeah. Or yeah. if you get a great guard, like if Kane Madden 2.0 emerges and like that's Kane Madden to tally. Too soon, but if someone of that elk enters, like okay, then you then you say, all right, we'll have an elite guard, and we'll have Darius Washington and, and Robert Scott at, at tackle, and have you know someone that we feel great about inside. I think so a true speed rush end is something I think they would value a great. Team yes, if absolutely. It comes yeah. <clears throat> I'm really I'm surprised it. that they didn't end up circling back around before and pushing for the uh, NC State defensive end. Um, blanking on his name right now. Yeah, I don't think they felt he was very explosive. I think that was also coming off an injury coming off correctly from a year ago. Yeah. So I guess you you want to make sure you're not taking a guy who isn't going to help you, which is something that they've been pretty uh, 
they've been cautious to take you know they took a they're taking a gamble on Trey Benson but other than that they're they're not really rolling the dice on guys with um recent injury history mm-hmm. in the last year all right well I think that takes us to the end of this show anything else you want to get off your chest Brendan let us know who had the best list oh yeah grade our lists leave a comment either on the message board on our iTunes let us know what you think of who should be one, who should be 10, and fill out all the names in the middle as well. Thank you for joining us. Another episode of On the Bench. We'll be back soon. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.